Hi, this is Haley Wazinski. Hi, and this is Nikki Lott. And you're listening to Practice, Practice Chat. Chat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Practice Chat. Today, we are going to be discussing the whole process of virtual interviewing. So yeah, so we touched on it a little last week, so we're just going to dive in a little deeper today. Um, so Nikki, I will let you start from the recruiter side. Sounds good. So when formulating an interview, you basically need to determine who needs to be a part of this interview. It really shouldn't venture too far off of the course of what you were doing prior to COVID and quarantining and virtual lifestyles. It should be the exact same people. However, if there is any fluff to that schedule, I know there's been some times when you schedule a lunch and you say, let's add in a few MAs or let's add in, you know, somebody from radiology. If, if they're not pertinent to the interview, I would say go ahead and nix them from that lineup. There's no reason to just have more static in the room or use people as time fillers. When you're doing this virtual process, you literally just want to be straight to the point. So I would say take your current lineup, look at who is a must-have on that interview, and from there, let's formulate your actual schedule. So I guess one question that I would have is who, how do you determine who is essential to the interview team? So I know you mentioned like you might have some, you know, docs that you regularly pull in to go to a lunch or things like that, but should you still be including, uh, you know, those physicians at your facility for the interview itself or, you know, to do that meet and greet that we kind of talked a little bit about last week that it's not really happening now. We have to do the virtual you know, tours and things like that. Should those physicians still be involved in some aspect of that? Absolutely. I would look at who needs to be there. Who are pertinent people? Obviously, you are going to want whoever they're directly reporting to. Mm -hmm. Perhaps if there are other physicians in the clinic or a nurse practitioner, a PA, et cetera, they're working, that will be working side by side with them, absolutely you want them in there. You also want anyone that they might have daily direct contact with or anybody that would be a major player in their coming to the facility. So I can say when I used to do recruitment, I would have our president who himself, he himself was a doctor, mm -hmm. our COO, who is basically over operations and overhead-wise, that is who all the physicians report it to. Any physicians, PAs, and Ps in the clinic itself who would be working side-by-side -side daily with that person. In addition to that, say for perhaps they are in a specialized setting, such as surgery or oncology, if that person, for example, a general surgeon, you might want to have somebody from the OR, perhaps the director of surgical services, somebody that they would interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. Or perhaps if you are a radiation oncologist, you might want that person to meet with the director of pathology services, as that would be somebody they would working, be working with closely on a day-to-day -day basis. So then I do have another question for you. So one question I've gotten in the past is, well, how many people will I actually be interviewing with? And obviously it is going to vary from specialty to specialty, but 
just as a general rule of thumb, how many people should a physician be expecting to be in the interview with them or, you know, through that interview process maybe? I think where we go virtual is how this kind of changes things. While normally an on-site interview might take all day, right. start in the morning, have a lunch, wrap up in the afternoon, maybe perhaps followed with a dinner that evening, right. this is where things get a little tricky. Trying to keep someone's interest in a room all day long on a virtual platform, I feel like that can kind of play against the physician themselves mm-hmm. as they, you know, they're getting tired, they're hungry, they may need to use the restroom. Yeah. And those are all things that while, you know, I, I feel like certain behaviors could be affected by the fact of being hungry, being thirsty, having to use the restroom, or mm-hmm. just overall fatigue from being in a room on a computer all day long. So I would make the suggestion to maybe max it out at a total of five interviews. Okay. You can definitely do less than that, but I feel as though for the benefit of both sides, smooth transitions from one interviewer to the next, and for the sake of the person on the other end of the interview, the physician or advanced practitioner, maxing it out at five, in my opinion, would probably be the key. And so then, um, I know last week we talked a little bit about you know preparing your team for the interview. Um, Do you just want to kind of touch back on that a little bit in case anyone missed us last time? Absolutely. So just as any person participating in an interview, whether that be the interviewee or the interviewer, the virtual platform. You know, Haley and I kind of discussed this at nauseum last week, but at the same time, it's a very important topic. You want to make sure that they are very familiar with whatever platform they are utilizing, whether that's Zoom, GoToMeeting, Teams, etc. Make sure that they have it on their computer, they know how to use it. Make sure that everything is downloaded. See if they can test it out prior to the interview itself. And from there, as long as they're prepared, know how to use it, they should be good to go. And I'll transition that into looking at schedules. In my opinion, there should be no issue for smooth transitions on a virtual interview. There are many ways to prepare for this. A suggestion I would make would be when a person is finished with that virtual interview, they call the next interviewer and say, I am finished, it is your turn. That way there's not a lot of lag time in between interviews or they're not waiting for someone to log in or saying, well, I logged in and this person hasn't done or isn't finished yet. Um, So when putting together that schedule, my suggestion would be every interviewer, and this should be a suggestion for all interviews all the time, each interviewer should have a copy of the schedule with the person who's interviewing, their title, and a number that they can be reached. From there, the interviewer or the interviewee will always have those that contact information at their hands because it's not like you can walk down to somebody's office and say, hey, buddy, you're up next. Right. Um, so that would be one thing I would really make sure you have organized because at the same time, as a recruiter, sometimes you're catching, checking up on things to see how things are going. You really can't do that in a virtual interview. So you kind of have to trust the system and trust those that you're 
you've appointed to be part of that interview to keep things moving smoothly. So I guess one question that I would have is, let's say that the organization wasn't prepared in that sense of, here's a list of all the people that you're going to be interviewing with Dr. Jones, um, here's their phone numbers. If that doesn't happen, and let's say the physician is on for the interview, they finished one, they're waiting for the second one, and they notice like no one's showing up, who should they reach out to in that sense if there isn't that contact information that if they don't know who they're meeting with or anything like that? I think the recruiter. So you as the recruiter should be providing your contact information and I would have my phone available at hand watching it all day, knowing that that is a possibility. Things come up, we're working with physicians after all. So it could be that they've been called out to a procedure or an emergency, or maybe their patient schedules are running a little bit behind. You know, those are things that always need to be taken into consideration, whether it's live or virtual. Mm -hmm. So definitely give your contact information and make it very clear to the interviewee that they can contact you if they're waiting and someone would not show up, or if they've been contacted and somebody's running behind. You know, these are things that you need to make sure that you and the interviewee have like a clear line of communication between the two of you and a way for each of you to reach each other. So then kind of piggybacking onto that, let's just say that I'm interviewing with an organization. I did, or I'm on for the first interview. No one showed up. I've reached out to the recruiter. I'm not getting a response there. It's just going straight to voicemail or, you know, whatever the situation may be. How long should they wait before, you know, trying to call someone else that isn't their contact? So in college, we used to have the 10-minute rule Mm -hmm. when you're waiting for a professor. After 10 minutes, if they didn't show up, class was officially canceled. I had that for training. Yes, and people would be sitting there like counting down like five, four, three, two, one. I kind of carried that over through business. Mm -hmm. And especially when I have clients, you know, because again, you know, as recruiters, we all know how it is. You're a jack of all trades and things come up and sometimes you just can't make that phone call. We get it. Right. I say there's a 10 minute rule. My suggestion would be if they cannot reach the recruiter, nor can they reach the person that they are interviewing with, Mm -hmm. that they, after 10 minutes, feel free to go ahead and hang up. However, I would send an email to the recruiter and say, I waited on the line until X time, Mm -hmm. and at that moment I hung up, please let me know a good time that we can reschedule this for. But then that way too, the physician covers themselves as well. Exactly. I mean, I know um, just from doing training in the past when we would talk about, you know, the applicant tracking system, there would be times when it's not the physician's fault, it's not one of the recruiter's fault, but at some point it just kind of fell between the cracks that, you know, lines of communication got blurred or whatever the case may be. So I just feel like it's important for us to kind of set some type of precedent for the physicians to know like, hey, you don't have to wait here all day. And on the flip side of that, you know, I know that that can be a red flag for some organizations if they're constantly missing um, interview appointments and things like that. So if it's just one, I wouldn't, you know, put all my eggs into one basket to count them real quick and say, oh, you know what, this isn't going to work out. But I would keep that in the back of my mind as a physician of, hey, they didn't show up. You know, maybe it was just a mistake. Someone's kid got sick. They had to run out. They forgot to tell someone. 
But if it continuously happens to you at the same organization, keep that in your mind of, you know, is this someplace that I truly want to work at or do I want to go to the place that showed up for all the interviews or communicated with me, hey, you know, sorry, we're going to have to reschedule because of X, Y, and Z. But um, yeah, if they're late for one, I wouldn't count them out as an organization. But if it kind of becomes a pattern, just keep that in your head as you are making that decision of where do I want to work? Yeah, and I would go back to what we discussed just a little bit ago and saying make sure that your team is fully aware of how the process works because these positions and advanced practitioners are interviewing you just as much as you are interviewing them Mm -hmm. and putting the right foot forward could be you know what gives you that extra step ahead in hiring you know a fabulous fit for your organization and you wouldn't want to miss out on that because of one person Mm -hmm. and their lack of responsibility exactly but another question I have is how long should a virtual interview last I never really scheduled anything for more than an hour unless it was perhaps like an interview over lunch with Mm -hmm. a group of people I would say depending on the amount of people in an interview for for sake of time if you have to include your president and your COO in one interview, Mm -hmm. I would say give that one hour. They may take the hour, they may not. They can say, okay, we've only used 45 minutes. Feel free to log off of this, and when I will transition you to the next person, let them know that you're available to start at the next start time for the next interview. Um, But I, I wouldn't say more than an hour. If it's a single person, and I would also say ask your interviewers, okay. how much time do you think you need? I would say the ma- minimum 30, max an hour. I wouldn't go past that and I wouldn't go underneath that because even though you might think, oh, I only need 10 minutes, allow yourself that 30 minute time slot because you don't know if you're going to get on there and it's just going to go really good and you're going to have a lot of mm-hmm. questions or maybe it's going really bad and you have a lot of questions. You just want to be able to give yourself that padding. So as someone who is perpetually anxious and just nervous about everything in the world, let's say that I had an interview scheduled for an hour and I am the interviewee and that interview only took about 15 or 20 minutes. What would you say as a recruiter, is that signs of a good interview, a bad interview, kind of both? How should that position be feeling after that super short interview? I say trust your gut, however, it can go either way. I have had plenty of interviews with other physicians interviewing another physician, and it maybe was scheduled for one hour, lasted 20 minutes, and they got that gut feeling right away saying, hey, it went good, I I have everything I need. You know, I was able to ask my questions, I'm good to go. I also have had physicians come back and be like no 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 absolutely no please like don't Mm -hmm. even continue with the day but I feel as the physician you can kind of gauge how things are going you know you you can tell if a somebody asked you a question you had a good answer and how you know based on the reception of that right I mean if you cannot that might be a little bit of an issue okay you want to be self-aware of what Right. How things are being handled. So as long as you're feeling good about the interview, you've answered all of their questions, they've answered all yours, you guys were hitting it off, you know, getting along, all that, you shouldn't be worried if oh, your time absolutely. goes under. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because I know that's been a concern of physicians, too, uh, that I've talked to some residents and fellows at, you know, career fairs back when they were live of, 
well, I had this interview. I thought it was going good, but, you know, they I was supposed to meet with, you know, the chief of oncology for an hour. I only met with them for, like, 15 minutes. But, you know, we were talking about this and that, and we had a good vibe going. And so I know it comes up, and I'm always anxious. So I'm happy to ask those questions to help physicians feel less anxious. Well, and now that I'm kind of thinking about it, this is kind of a good and important thing to kind of keep in mind. You know, in our last chat, we talked mm-hmm. about please wear pants. Yes. This is a good reminder. Please have the people interviewing turn their camera on. Yes. You can gauge off of social cues to see how somebody is, you know, feeling. Mm-hmm. If they're having a look of okay on their face, then you <laughs> might sit there and say, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't what they were looking for. Or if they're smiling, if they're, you know, coming across as like, this is going really good, like, yeah, we want you, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, go for it, you know. It may not take that entire hour. So that's another important thing to have your cameras on. Make sure people can definitely see you, you can see them, and kind of play off those social cues. Absolutely. Um, And so then just to kind of go back. So if a physician at some point um, in the interview process, because like we talked about, there might be kind of multiple hands in the cookie jar of, you know, the physician's gonna interview with this person, then they're gonna move on to this person. Let's say that the interview is not the same day. It's next week. They're doing their first initial interview today, but next week they're gonna follow up. Well, next week comes, no one has reached out to them about the interview or anything like that. How long should they wait if, you know, I know I'm interviewing this Tuesday and next Tuesday, but I haven't gotten an interview request? I would wait till 48 hours in advance. Contact the recruiter and just say, hey, I haven't heard anything. I haven't received an appointment or a Zoom invite. Mm-hmm. Can you let me know, you know, what the status of this interview is? There should be no excuse for not sending out an appointment. Right. You don't have to have everything prepared with regards to where the interviewer is going to do the Zoom, all of that. No. You, at the time of scheduling this interview, should have already sent out not only the one Tuesday, but the second Tuesday as well. Mm -hmm. It takes two seconds to send an appointment. Make sure that all of the contact information needed is in there for both parties. For the interviewer as well as the interviewee so say there is a technical issue they can reach each other mm-hmm. but yes there should be no excuse that they should not have everything within 48 hours i i would say a week in advance there's no excuse for that in my opinion there's no mm-hmm. reason i know things come up but just to have an appointment on a calendar there's it takes two seconds right. okay so since everything has been moved to that virtual um, interview what types of materials do the recruiters themselves need to have ready for that interview? I would say in advance of the interview, the candidate mm-hmm. should have a full schedule mm-hmm. with the allotted times, the person's name, their title, email address, as well as phone number. Mm-hmm. And this should be a phone number that the candidate can reach that person, right? not an office line where they are going to get <laughs> transferred and be put on hold with patients, but an actual phone number that the candidate can reach mm-hmm. the interviewer, and vice versa. The interviewer should have the person's name, 
their title, their email address, a number to reach them at, as well as a CV, any references that might have been included or a cover letter. Mm -hmm. And from there, each party can kind of prepare in their own way. I know just as a non-physician who has interviewed for jobs in my lifetime, I would like to look at the people who I am interviewing with and do a little research. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to Google them a little bit. (laughs) I will say that nothing impresses people more in an interview than somebody coming prepared. So for a physician to come in and say, oh, I, you know, how long have you been doing recruitment? So were you responsible for when Mercy did that acquisition X, Y, Z? You know, those are things that show me as a recruiter you are invested. You have taken the time to do your research. But also, like we stated before, as much as you're interviewing them, they are also interviewing you. So giving both parties opportunities to come prepared and look things up on their own prior to the interview would be the best course of action. Okay, awesome. Um, And just on the flip side of that, for physicians, even if you're doing a virtual interview, it can almost feel like you have that safety net of, oh, well, I have my computer in front of me. I can go ahead. If I need to look anything up, I can just access it there. But you want to keep in mind that during that interview, you don't want to look flustered and frazzled trying to figure out which folder you saved it to or it won't pull up now. So before you even go into that interview, if you do need that copy of your CV that you weren't able to print out, already have it pulled up behind you know, the Zoom meeting. So that way, once again, you're not trying to find it in a folder and figure out where you actually saved it to. Instead, it's already pulled up. You can just flip over really quick. But if you can have that hard copy of the job description of who you're interviewing with. I'm terrible with names. Um, so for me, it's always nice to have that list of you know who I'm actually in here interviewing with. And with Skype or Zoom or whatever you're using, you do get that little cheat sheet of it says who's there and who's talking so you don't have to try to remember. But it's good to have in front of you so you can make notes as well. Um, and making sure that you do have some type of paper because you don't want to be typing the entire time because that's going to come over on your microphone and just be really annoying. But you want to make sure that you're still taking notes during those interviews just like you would for an in-person interview. And so, Nikki, I guess one big question that I always get is what are red flags that I should be avoiding during my interview process? Red flags... As a recruiter looking at a candidate would Mm -hmm. be pay attention it's very easy to get caught up when you're not in person Mm -hmm. and kind of like you just mentioned about being on your computer do not go on Facebook (laughs) do not go on Instagram snap be playing with your phone it's so easy to get distracted by even just your surroundings so we kind of discussed last chat about being in a quiet place. Yes. You know, make sure that where you are doing your interview is quiet, no interruptions, perhaps not busy around your workspace so that the person interviewing is not looking at the poster behind you of Scarface. You know, right. you want to make sure that... <laughs> You, again, you want to make sure that they're sitting there saying, yes, we want you, not, oh my gosh, like this guy has terrible taste in music. Like those are the <laughs> things you kind of want to think about. And I would say the same for 
recruiters. You want to make sure that you're in a quiet space. If you're in your clinic and you're running into your office, but your office is mixed in with patient rooms, try to go somewhere quiet. Make sure your door is closed. Make sure there's not a lot of busy stuff around you. Make sure there's nothing confidential around you regarding PIPA. Mm -hmm. Get all that stuff out of the way, you know, and just be in a place that you can focus in on the task at hand, which is the interview. Another red flag, dress to impress. We mm-hmm. talked about wearing pants. Put pants on, first of all, but <laughs> actually dress to impress. You treat this like you are going to an in-person interview. It should not be treated any other way. Do not be eating food. Do not be smacking gum. Obviously, you're talking a lot, so okay, it's okay to have like a coffee or a drink with you, but do not be sitting there like snacking on a bag of Cheetos or smacking your gum (laughs) while you're trying to do this interview. You wouldn't do that in person, so you wouldn't do that virtually either. If a person being interviewed has questions, say the candidate has questions for you, if you do not know the answer to the question, don't try to fake it till you make it. Right. Basically, just say, great question. Let me see what I can find out, and I will get back with you. Or vice versa. If you have are being asked a question that maybe you can't answer, I wouldn't necessarily write that off as, okay, this is a red flag. Mm-hmm. But just be honest and say, you know, that's something I will have to think about and let you know or I don't have the answer to that right this second. However, I'm happy to get that back to you at the email address provided on the schedule. Right, so we kind of touched on it earlier with you know applicant tracking systems. Um, physicians, if you're not familiar with this, just like you chart patients to know, you know their medical history and you know why they're seeing you today, physician recruiters have applicant tracking systems that they use to know where a physician is at in the recruitment process, how their previous, you know, phone screening or interview or whatever it may be, how that went, any notes on there. So for applicant tracking systems, so how can recruiters use applicant tracking um, to their advantage? So with applicant tracking, just like Haley mentioned, you know, it's the same with physicians charting. This is our place to keep notes on all candidates and where they're at in the interview process. Whether that be, I have sourced this person, I have reached out to this person for an interview, they have confirmed an interview, we have completed the interview, we have followed up with the candidate Mm -hmm. from the interview. This is a great way for recruiters to just keep everybody in the loop so they know where the person is at in the process. Making sure that you keep those notes up to date is key. It might be that all of this falls onto the recruiter. But with this, you need to make sure that on any dates given throughout the interview process for follow-ups, are, that that's kept in stone. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to think you're flaky. You don't want them to think, okay, well, I'm supposed to hear back on the 22nd. It's the 26th. Nobody's reached out to me. Then the physician feels all weird, like, do I reach out? Do I not? Should I give it a day or two? You know, that's an awkward (laughs) thing. That's an awkward thing for you as a recruiter if you're going into an interview. So you wouldn't want to put a physician in that position either. So utilize your applicant tracking. Make sure that you're keeping those notes up to date in the system and that you're adhering to any dates that are given for whether it be follow-up, for an offer letter, for 
a time frame that you will be in touch to schedule an interview, etc. As long as you're adhering to those dates and you're marking that in your tracking system, you should be good. So whenever it comes to dates of, you know, maybe this is when I need to follow up with that physician or things like that, what expectations should be put in place for the recruitment team? Well, right now, I would say virtually you can kind of keep things moving a little bit more quickly than you can in person because you're not scheduling that travel. You're not scheduling, you know, flights and dinners and having people make sure they have arrangements so they can attend dinner for their children, et cetera. So there should be kind of an expectation set forth when you are contacting a physician to say, this is so-and-so from XYZ facility, and we would love to invite you to an interview. We would like to see what your availability is within the next week or two so that we can get this scheduled. I think putting an expectation of a week or two is perfectly fine Mm -hmm. as this gives both parties, the interviewers, time to make adjustments in their calendars or interviewees the time to fit that into their current schedule. So I would say a week or two is a good expectation. Okay. Just speaking from the physician um, point of view again, what happens if, let's say, for whatever reason, I need to reschedule that interview? What is the best way for them to go about that without, you know, putting out that red flag of I'm a flake or anything like that? Because as you know, life happens. (laughs) Sometimes you have to leave work or do whatever. So how can a physician reschedule that interview um, in a way that isn't going to be detrimental to them during this process? I would say honesty and sincerity. Just be honest and say, hey, well, don't say hey. Let's not start out any emails with hey, because again, you want them to be like, yes, we want you, not like, who's this guy? Um, What I would say is, just be honest and sincere. You know, I'm very interested in interviewing for this position. However, an emergency has popped up and I will be unable to attend the interview. You can even flat out say it. Please do not take this as a red flag. I want you to, you know, consider me and this is not the norm for me. You know, just Mm -hmm. again, honesty and sincerity will definitely get you far. Okay. Another question is, Let's say that, as you know, physicians, just like we're interviewing multiple candidates, they're interviewing multiple organizations to see where they want to work. Whenever that final interview comes into play and they go, oh my gosh, we'd love to offer you a position here, how should a physician handle saying, well, I still have other interviews that I'm going to if they're not 100% sure yet? They can say exactly that. Um, I'd love the opportunity to look over your offer. However, at this time, I am still completing a few other interviews. Mm -hmm. And just leave it at that. They may ask, though, do you mind if I ask where you're interviewing? Mm -hmm. So I would tell a physician to be prepared if they would like to disclose that or not. Should a physician feel pressured to tell them where else they're interviewing? Or can they just leave it? of open-ended if they don't want to disclose oh that's at the discretion of the physician they can definitely leave it open-ended um or they can disclose sometimes that can work to favor both yes i was just about to say if i know that i'm also interviewing with a competitor is that a great way to you know segue into 
especially during contract negotiation of, well, they were offering me A, B, and C, and you guys are only offering X, Y, and Z, so I'm still trying to decide there. You know, can they strategically play those two against each other? Almost? Oh, yes, and they do. <laughs> of course. Just as we would. You know, exactly. Just as we would. So, you know, interviewing and offers are fair game at that point. Perfect. Just one more quick question. If you are still interviewing at other places, what is a respectable amount of time to let the organization know? So for instance, let's say today I'm interviewing on October 12th, but my interview with another organization isn't until October 30th. Is that you know too long of a wait for that other organization or? I would say, no, as long as they're open and honest about the time frame. Okay. I've interviewed plenty of physicians that said, I have two more interviews, one on the 13th of October, one on the 5th of November, you mm-hmm. know, but I'd like to get back to you after that time. Okay. Again, being open and honest and setting forth realistic expectations on both sides would be key to keeping that communication open. Exactly. And I know it's just something that comes up with physicians. Of a lot of times they feel like, you know, the organization is in the driver's seat and they're just kind of here. And so it can be scary to say, oh, I do need, you know, a few extra weeks because I am still waiting to interview. So I think just you touching on how to handle that and approach it um, is super helpful. So just to kind of wrap things up, one more thing I'd like to touch base on is when we were talking about making sure that you can see the person you are interacting with on your cameras, I just want to say something a little funny. I have noticed today how much Haley and I speak with our hands. (laughs) Literally, they're moving all over the place. I don't even, I almost wish you could see it because they're literally everywhere. Everywhere. But um, if you are a hand talker like us, just like you don't want to have the background be too busy, you don't want to be too distracting of <laughs> what you're saying. Um, and right now I'm moving my hands so you can probably I'm watching hear Mickey laugh. Hands. <laughs> but you want to try to be a little more conscious of that because if not, it can be very distracting. I've been on Zoom meetings where the person is just moving so much that I'm almost like I need to look away from the screen just to be able to concentrate on what they're saying. So if you are a hand talker and that is, you know, an issue for you, practice in front of, um, you know, just record yourself on your computer. Notice if you're doing it. Maybe you do have to sit with your hands in your lap. That was one thing whenever I started to do more of the public speaking, I really had to be conscious of that. So it's just noting it, not, you know, getting mad at yourself because you did move your hand that one time, but trying to make that conscious effort of, not moving your hand everywhere um, and just making sure that they are focused on you and what you're saying and not getting distracted. So we've covered a lot today. So Nikki, what are your top takeaways from today? My top takeaways would be put together a key team. Make sure that key team is well-versed in the virtual platform they are utilizing. Having a schedule with names, titles, contact email and contact phone number as well as making sure that the person being interviewed has your name title and a direct line of communication to you in case of an emergency I would also say make sure that everybody participating in the interview knows the expectations set forth of them and from there just best of luck to both interviewers and candidates well perfect 
thank you once again, Nikki, for this chat. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Thank you once again for chatting with us today. We hope that you enjoyed this topic. But if you do have any questions or you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, please reach out to us via the email in the podcast description. Thank you so much, and we hope to chat with you again soon.